All right. This is the Talk Editions podcast. It's a very sensitive and wild system. This season, we asked some of our collaborators to interview a guest of their own choosing. Today, we'll hear from Bethany Young interviewing Merce Blasco. I understand scores for more like systems of communication where it's very important that there is room for everyone to, to feel or to, to participate with their creative input. Bethany Young's acoustic and electronic music explores the manifold kinesthetic properties of musical performance. For her, the act of music making cannot be divorced from the physical presence of the human instigator. Her works often incorporate instrumental deconstruction, exaggerated movement, motion tracking, sounding costumes, and or other aesthetic devices to sonically heighten corporeal expressivity. Bethany was one of Talk's commissioned composers in the 2019 to 2020 season. We premiered her work at midnight I walked into the middle of the desert at St. Mary's Church in Harlem last fall. Bethany does a great job of introducing Merche, so I'll let her take it from here. I'm Bethany Young, and today I will be guest hosting an interview with Merce Blasco. Blasco is an interdisciplinary artist and composer based in New York. Her work involves designing and building imprecise technological assemblages that catalyze new listening modes and embodied forms of live composition in electroacoustic sounds. Through these devices, Blasco attempts to establish a more horizontal relationship with audio technologies distancing herself from parameters of precision, power, and control. She instead explores collaborative spaces where these instruments render audible, unheard energetic forces and offer a composition methodology in which her body and the live exploration of alternative materials are central elements. She has presented her performances and installations at the Whitney Museum of American Art, Sonar Festival in Barcelona, La Biennale de Venezia, NIME NIME Conferences, Tsunami International Sound Art Festival in Chile, The High Line in New York, Sonic Festival, Mapping Festival in Geneva, Queens Museum of Art, and the Museum of Contemporary Art in Santiago de Chile, among others. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Wire magazine. Blasco is currently a PhD candidate in music composition at New York University. Welcome, Merce. Hi. Thank you, Bethany. It's nice to finally meet Life you out. and have you here. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about your work. I've been a big fan of your work for several years now. When I moved to New York, I think maybe three years ago now, um, ICE uh, International Contemporary Ensemble shared a piece of yours, and I was like, who is this? Why don't I already know her? And then I um, proceeded to stalk your website from there and was totally enamored from the very beginning. Thank so, you. I mean, it's absolutely it's nice to finally mutual. meet you. <laughs> like I've been stalking your website. <laughs> I know your pieces. I don't think I've experienced one. Oh, no, I think I did. Um, I think with a program curated by Viola Jip, you were presenting a piece for voices. Oh, Viola Jip. Yeah. Well, you guys study together, yes. right? You and yes, Viola? Yes, we are in the same department. Oh, yeah. great. She's great. She's a good friend. Yes, she's also um, here in Berlin, where I'm speaking right now. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> Everyone's fleeing to <laughs> Berlin. <Yeah. laughs> Bye, America. <laughs> Why didn't I do that? 
Oh, on this um, sanguine note of the pandemic, um, <laughs> what has music making been like for you during the pandemic? Wow. Uh, uh, I mean, I feel Big there have been yeah, a lot of faces inside the pandemic, uh, and, and they all involve different creative process or just freezing. And I feel at the beginning, um, it was really hard for me, I struggle a lot because all of a sudden, I mean, for the last three years since I started this program, my studio and my workplace have been uh, in the university and suddenly I, I didn't have access to that. I didn't have access to a lot of my gear. Um, I could just be in my house um, that I share with my partner, which, I mean, as we know from New York spaces, they're not very big. and. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, there was also, of course, like uh, worrying about my family in Spain, where that, like, the wave yeah. hit it um, very hard. And yeah, it was in general. It was really, it was really hard. Also, I had, I had problems connecting with some. I don't know, like this this crazy moment where suddenly everybody started like performances online. <laughs> They were everywhere. Like I had, I had trouble connecting with some of them. I don't know. I think because I, I there's something very specific that I feel in the performances that I enjoy that happens with. Uh, I don't know. We're we're in an energetic level when bodies are sharing the same space, mm -hmm. listening to the same sounds. Mm -hmm. That I couldn't, I couldn't really understand, or it didn't translate to me in the internet. And there were, there were some proposals that I really enjoyed, like there was a, there were some really exciting ones that, that I felt made use of the affordances of the medium. So there was this, um, I don't know if you saw it, the, um, I think it was the Pink Full Moon Opera from Paulina Oliveros that 500 something people- I didn't see it. Perform, I mean, I didn't see the seven full hours. I saw parts of it, but that, that, that was for example, something super exciting and I felt that I was mm -hmm. witnessing something that I, had, I hadn't seen before. So th some of those proposals and also some of them, I felt they were exciting because I, yeah, I was watching something that I hadn't seen before and they were, I don't know, like profiting or, or making something new out of the medium. And also some of the proposals that I saw in the um, open improvisation online edition, like that group, I felt um, that um, yeah. Marina like, and, and Carrie are creating, I felt I saw there was a freedom there and the format that they they set it up for these performances some, somehow enabled some of these uses. I don't know, I saw people more playfully playing with the medium, the fact that uh, there is a frame, a new frame that is not a stage and outside the frame people don't see it so you can play with that. Right. And I try, I try to do one performance for them uh, using that but I, I ended up installing like a system that I had built for a participatory sound performance that involved 40 light sensors in my house. So basically for, for one week, <laughs> we couldn't use the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> so who needs a house? Who needs a house? In the middle of a pandemic when there is a lockdown. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that I did once and then I was like, okay, like we kind of really live like this. And then also there was, there was some, 
close illnesses and deaths around and that also was uh, <laughs> that was really hard to feel that we couldn't be like I couldn't be with the people I wanted to be that I couldn't move um, I don't know I felt so it was yeah. really hard to create among all that yeah. and then um, uh, then there was a second period where I don't know a second phase uh, where I started gathering, um, I collaborated. I started collaborating this year with a uh, Griffon Rue, which is uh, who's a musician, very talented musician, and, and we played the saw, yeah. the musical saw together. So we started gathering in, in the arches of Prospect Park or in the park, some outdoor spaces where we felt we could gather, and and I remember the first time that we yeah. were under a place with good acoustic where we could hear each other and vibrate, like it felt very meaningful. So we did a little bit of that. And then, mm. um, I don't know. And then, well, and then, then I, 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 I was invited to collaborate with, um, for a residency that was happening in the gallery called Five Miles with uh, um, Miriam Parker and uh, Joe Wood Brown in collaboration with other six artists. And, I mean, it was very tricky because it was a residence in the space and we all had to be with masks in there and being very careful with each other. But uh, I don't know, it, it, it helped me a lot to go through, I think this was in August, so to go through August in the pandemic. And, and I'm so grateful that I got invited to that, like feeling, I don't know, it was a very special process of being very careful with each other. Um, um, holding a space, being very respectful. It was very open in terms of mm. creation and what each of us was going to add to the performance and to the residency. But I felt we were all very attuned to hold space for each other. Yeah, every, everyone was going through their own personal journey with the pandemic. Actually, the residency, I think I didn't mention, it was called Lost Voyage. So it was a, yeah, like the whole, the whole project was a little bit an invitation to reflect on what that last voyage meant for each one of us. And, uh, and that was great. The first day that I remember Miriam invited me to visit the space and she and Rebecca Medina were doing a dance performance. I arrived home and I started crying over the bed wow. because I felt how much I, I, I needed yeah. and I missed being in a space and creating with people and how I couldn't do that yeah. Uh, yeah. in Zoom. Like I tried doing rehearsals with friends and, and they were fun, but yeah, I was, I was having a lot of trouble of, yeah, connecting. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit soul sucking to say the least, especially rehearsing. It sounds like you guys had like a heightened sense of empathy that you maybe wouldn't have had prior to the pandemic or definitely and yeah we thought about that a lot that if that would have been possible I don't know if 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 that residency happened in February last year with yeah. the agenda of um, eight artists in New York <laughs> like usually everybody's like crazy and they have like that I mean I'm like that like I, I have to I'm navigating always like three bridges at the same time, always running and, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I feel I wouldn't have been, they, yeah, I wouldn't have been so open and so 
uh, delicate and, and aware of each other's energy and, and being really mm. careful with holding mm. space and leaving space and, and seeing how, I don't know, also very attuned with listening with all your senses how everyone was in each day because it, we were all going through different things. And, and I don't know if right, that would have been right. possible also. I mean, this was in parallel with all the protests and everything that was going on right. out. And, right. and we were in Crown Heights. Uh, uh, I mean, everything was in right. and out constantly. So it all informed a very special and healing place of creation. Yeah. That I'm, I'm so like grateful that I, that I had it. It's like a space of care, yeah. specifically self-care in a sense. Yeah, yeah, you wow. felt, yeah it totally it's, felt like that. You know, like everything has had to slow down. Just, you know, what I was saying to you before, like I haven't left my neighborhood. I don't have the the um, capacity to leave the neighborhood unless I take a subway, which I'm currently trying to avoid. Um, and so that my relationship with the land now is slowed down, yeah. you know. And so the the constant hustle has been slowed down, especially over the summer and last, last spring. Yeah. Which... Which is have, nice. You can't yeah. take these things for granted. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that part <laughs> nice. I felt, yeah, at the beginning. Like I remember looking back and saying like, how was I supposed to do all the things that I was supposed to do back in April? Like there was no way <laughs> when, when suddenly everything yeah. canceled. And I was like, ah. <laughs> of course there was an immediate relief, <laughs> but then, yeah, but then shit hit the fun. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I have all this time. And then it becomes like, I have all this time to be miserable. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do oddball question number one. <laughs> um, okay, so do you have a first memory? And if so, would you mind sharing it with us? This is it. This is it. Very difficult question for me. <laughs> no, because um, I, I, my memories, it's it, it's broken. Like it's, I don't have it's it. Mine too. I don't have, and I'm so jealous. Like when when I'm talking with friends and they remember all these things about their uh, childhood and uh, I don't know, like dating back, like when we were they were really young, but. I have this in common with my siblings. I have three siblings and we all have the same issue. I mean, it's not a coincidence. I think it has to do with the way my family or my parents brought us. Like we, it's very always, like it was very looking ahead. Uh, like I don't remember sitting mm -hmm. around the table uh. and then, oh, do you remember when you were a kid? Like they have, if I ever try to get something from my childhood, like my parents have, four of us all mixed. Like they never remember who was doing what. <laughs> so it's really... Oh, that's um, so funny. Yeah, it's... It, so there's four yeah. of you. And none of us, we all have this issue. <laughs> they were probably overwhelmed. <laughs> no, yeah, I totally get it. Like I don't blame, I don't blame <laughs> them at all. Like they were crazy for having four of us. Uh, but, but also themselves. And I think this has something to do with the fact that their parents went through a war, like the civil war in Spain. I feel this is in general a problem mm. yeah. that my generation and the generation before in Spain, we all share. We don't talk about the past. 
or there's a general non-fear of confronting your past because two generations ago, like your grandparents were fighting in a war and they don't want to talk about it. And I felt that was the way my, my parents were brought up and mm. certainly the way that I was brought up. So it's really hard to, yeah, I don't have memories. And I, and I was the only one, and it, it's something sort of, I, I have it fresh because I, I ended up doing a piece about that and, and it was a memory that was triggered by a sound. So it was something that came to me recently. Hmm. Um, I, was, I was in Spain for some months, uh, living in my parents' house because I was waiting for an approval of a visa that took a really long time, an artist visa application. And I was running nuts, like waiting for the, uh, yeah, for the answer. So I would bike a lot. Uh, trying not to drive myself crazy, and I would do a lot of uh, field recordings. I would go around and do field recordings, and there is this very beautiful landscape next, next to my hometown in the north of Spain uh, called Las Bardenas Reales, mm -hmm. and I remember doing field recordings there one day, and suddenly two military jets started like, going above my head and, and started dropping bombs in the distance, and the whole like the whole ground, the floor where I was, this is like a desertic area, uh, very wide uh, with some mountains and, and it started rumbling. And, and suddenly that triggered a memory of having that same feeling when I was in high school uh, of hearing those sounds and, and feeling, uh, I mean in high school and in school probably also, um, feeling all the windows and everything shake, trembling and and I realized I was like, wow, like I've never thought about mm -hmm. that in my life. And and I grew up um, with the knowledge that this was just like military practices that we're doing next to my house. And I never, I never questioned it. Right. <laughs> and then when that happened to me like three years ago, I was like, wait, why are they throwing bombs right. to my house? Right. <laughs> um, and I started researching and. Um, and I, I, I discovered that this was part of um, a contract that the American government did with the Spanish government under Franco's regime, where they, they basically let do the American government do practices, like military practices in that area. And then that contract kept extending. Then it wasn't just with, uh, with, uh, with America, but then with uh, OTAN or N-A-T-O. I never know the acronyms because they are backwards. <laughs> but the O-T-A-N. NATO. NATO. NATO, yes. NATO. <laughs> it's OTAN <laughs> in Spain. So That's it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. NATO. Um, and, and, and that is actually something very uh, conflictive in the area because, I mean, there are some certain groups benefiting commercially. Like, they're, they're receiving money from all these different governments from, for leading the land. But as a result, like this is a space where a lot of wars that have been happening in the last uh, 60 years have been being rehearsed in, in that area. So a lot of the citizens are, are protesting against that. So the sound itself becomes a very, like a symbol of uh, this conflict. And, and I ended up doing a piece that actually uh, the rhythm method uh, premiered. I took pictures of the of the mountains around, and 
um, and I turn those mountains kind of like into the scores. So the the performers became a little bit like the, to me, they were like the mountains telling back the story of all those reverberations, all those bombs being dropped and, and absorbing mm -hmm. those reverber reverberations of, of sound. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, like that, that's one of the very few memories that I got and, and it's because it was triggered re very recently in that type of like sensorial flashback. <laughs> That's interesting, too, because that makes me think um, of how you describe what you do as well as um, making imprecise technological assemblages. And your that, and which I'll ask you about in a second, but the relationship of imprecision and technology to the military. Do you want to talk a little bit about that as well? Oh, wow. Uh, uh... I mean, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that direct link with my like with a, with this specific practices during my childhood. But certainly, hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Very honestly. Um, huh. I mean, certainly, like there is a, the way I work with technology. I try to farther myself from um, yeah, ideas of, of control and power and, and efficiency and that are embedded in the society that are creating those technologies and because a lot of, especially mm -hmm. in the United States, a lot of the technology is being mm -hmm. developed initially for military purposes, like we are inheriting yeah. a lot of that. Uh, I mean, not just, yeah, not just in the United States, like the the first studios of electronic music, it was discarded warfare. So there's something, to me, there's something in the technology that is, it was, if it was designed and fabricated with that goal in mind, like there's something that is still carried in the device. And that's why I tried to fight against that or, uh, yeah, right. or to create different things because I, 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 I have a lot of, I, I think, I don't know, like I love technology <laughs> and I hate it at the same time. Like I, I think it's a very yeah. <laughs> generative space, but also I, I, it's a very critical and, and yeah, a space too. So, so I try to, I have a lot of hopes, but a lot of fears and I, I, I try to work around that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like this mode of imprecision is um, intentionally undermining the military-industrial complex use of technology and like technology's association with military violence, but also like the the notion of mass production, a product being produced in exactly the same way, and there aren't those like little flaws or intricacies of a story, right? That's sort yeah. of lost, and that's inherent. To your, to at least in what yeah. I've heard you describe. Yeah, there's something. If um, if your yeah, if you program yeah. something with just two states, like a zero and a one, like you're missing a lot of in between. So, yeah, like at one point, because mm -hmm. I was doing electronic mm -hmm. music for a while with more traditional tools like a computer, uh, synthesizers, pedals, and I felt mm -hmm. at one point I had to like run away from that, and I realized that it, it was that, the pieces, the tools that I had to compose mm. that music that was really 
uh, trapping me. And, and then I started looking specifically, okay, what is it here that is trapping me? And I realized, I was like, yeah, like if there's just like a knob with certain states or I, that's not the way I understand composition and music and performance especially. So I shouldn't right. be using this. <laughs> and, and, and there should be, oh yeah. <laughs> so super male dominated. Yeah, and that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very specific, like I think they are all, like all these technologies are designed with a specific user in mind that is not you, it's not me, and it's not a lot of people. And then mm -hmm. I, I try to go to escape uh, right. that paradigm. So um, maybe for our listeners too, maybe um, if you could describe some of your instruments for us, um, tell them, tell us how it, they work, how they interact with you, how you build them, yeah, <laughs> all that kind of fun um, stuff. <laughs> I mean, there are so many, and they have uh, very different stories and characters and names and and relationships with me. Like like we are kind of like a very dysfunctional family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are. Dysfunctional. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, it it it. it, it um, it depends, like there's, there's, um, oh, which one should I choose? <laughs> it's like, which one of my kids should I talk about? No, okay. Um, yeah, which kid is your favorite? Oh, no, 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 don't ask that. <laughs> I don't have. Um, so one of my instruments that I call Espongina, it's, uh, it's two wooden, um, bowl pieces containing water and then an underwater piezo uh, microphone inside so the instrument works that it depends how i i move the water around or i touch the the wood or i explore the wood with my hands there are different sounds being generated uh, or effects being applied in those sounds so i play a lot with um or the one of the initial interests in, in, in to create that instrument was water itself and the, the materiality of the mm -hmm. water, how it moves, how like the inertia that it has, um, uh, vibrations also, because that instrument is all about vibrations, because it's a piezo suspended in the water, but then the vibrations, it's not just from the water, but also from the wood, and also from where the, the balls are placed on stage or during the performance, so if there's a subwoofer that is very powerful. It starts vibrating with that. It vibrates with my steps. Uh, so there is, it's a very sensitive and wild system um, where everything is connected by vibrations and then what actually generates is more like sound vibration. So I wanted to explore that um, circle. And also I wanted to mix because I've always I've worked with electronics a lot, and there's always the rule of water has to be away, like as far as you can from uh, right. all the electronics right. you're working on. And I was like, I'm going to mix it. <laughs> and I'm going to bring it inside. I don't know. There was something about yeah, not like gonna get wanted to try that and see what happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> But Ooh. yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so that's one of the um, 
instruments. There are a lot of instruments um, that play with light conditions of the space. Mm -hmm. So Lovatus, for example, that have like light sensors embedded that I use as optical theremins. So they read a lot my body movements while I'm holding a pair of um, uh, bike lights. Um, or, or like creating a shade over the sensors with my body. So it's a lot about reading my movements or the mm. conditions of the space around um, are and, those the, and translating um, that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Are those the, the white ceramic little orbs? Yes. Yeah. Those, so it has so like, beautiful. yeah, it has two parts, um, the ceramic uh, orbs and then these... Um, kind of like um, light theremin or uh, mm -hmm. digital theremins, uh, if you want to call it. And mm. the the ceramics, um, it actually has two layers, like there's the ceramics and then there are some acrylic discs that has on the bottom. And okay. initially I created with the ceramics and the I chose that material because I wanted to explore with a, a psychoacoustic effect of beat frequency, like when two frequencies, two sine waves are very mm -hmm. close to each other, they start beating uh, or the, the illusion of they start beating and the relationship of how that beating is, it depends on the relationship of those two frequencies. So I wanted to, I found that very poetic and, and I wanted to explore that. And because it's about very small shifts, um, I thought about interacting with a material that would initially call for delicacy you cannot start like throwing or you can but then it's a different piece <laughs> um, but I thought about building yeah mm -hmm. those pieces they have very intricate um, shapes um, that I did in collaboration with uh, An Shen which is a multimedia artist and mm -hmm. and basically with these instruments also what I realized with um, computers and synthesizers that I, I want to Especially if I'm improvising with something, I want to be touching something that I want to really explore or that it's communicating something more interesting that, or, or, or that says something else to me than silicon and plastic or like more, yeah, the useful materials that technology is right. built of. Yeah. So I try to, Personal. yeah, to, to yeah. surround myself during the performance of materials that, um, are more interesting to me and that the material itself and how I explore it, it becomes a little bit sometimes the score of the piece, like especially with the wooden pieces. Yeah, because how I'm it moving my hands around, mm. like that's that's making the the sensors or the, yeah, like all the technology read different things from those instruments and then the sound, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, in consequence like different. It's all a chain, a program chain in a way. Yeah. So they're really beautiful. I mean, um, mm -hmm. the wooden ones are sort of oddly shaped, right? They have all these strange, mm -hmm. like, um, mounds on them mm -hmm. to some extent, from what I can tell from the photos I've seen. And then the orbs, some of them have yeah. like a bumpy texture. Um, and yeah, they're all very unique looking too. So it's nice that it like, it looks like it puts your body into unpredictable mm. modes like the way your body interacts mm. with them is not entirely predictable because they're yeah. they yeah. are and that's something definitely looking. yeah that I, I i mean as we were talking before yeah. i i look in these performances to 
because that that puts me in a state of constant listening and constant aware of because I'm 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 inside this like fit this this uh, uh, feeding back the cybernetic system that what I'm doing with my body is producing a sound but it's not always what I expect so I have to be constantly listening to try to right. tame it or not like sometimes they go completely out of control and 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 that is fine I struggle a lot and and sometimes it doesn't work at all and that <laughs> that's a little bit extreme and and I I, I uh, I don't hope for those situations, but it happens, and it's something that I'm, I'm, I certainly am calling for in some way. Um, yeah, but that's something important that I'm getting different things out yeah. of every performance. Like yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm surprised. And especially, I'm constantly listening to right. something that that I felt uh, when I was doing other type of music before, like back in Europe, that it was more like experimental electronic, but it was a I had this solo project that it was more composing songs and releasing a record and I released two records and I toured around with them and I felt so trapped in the structure of that that I yeah that um right. yeah that it's very important that that's that's the type of 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 hmm. work that I, I I produce now right it's like that recipe reciprocity I guess yeah. with the instrument <laughs> it's playing you as much as you're playing it <laughs> Well, that's really, I mean, that's so fascinating. And I definitely see that in your performances. And that's why I often have, even just watching them online, I yeah. feel spellbinded, <laughs> you know, spell spellbound. Is that, um, because I, I feel like so many of what I've seen with uh, the way people use technology is it's, it becomes this act of dominance, I, I want to say, like, like, oh, I've got the new gear and I've learned the new best thing. No. And of course, not everybody does this. <laughs> I don't want to shit on everyone who uses technology. <laughs> but I was really drawn to um, the ways in which you were personalizing the, the technology and the way the technology was yeah. personalizing you. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I guess um, I think it's it's so Thank beautiful. You. Thank you. So beautiful. But I was going to say that, yeah, in a... In a <laughs> I'm gushing. <laughs> that um, yeah. Sometimes, like for for a while, and this, yeah, this speaks about yeah my my relationship with technology, which is something that I I, I think about a lot, and uh, I mean we're permanently surrounded by it. So, <laughs> but um, for a while, because my I think I get very hype or like my energy my energy before performance is so strong. Um, that I think I affect a lot all the machines around mm. me. And for a while, I was having big, big, big technical failures. And not the type that I'm inviting with my instruments, but just the computer crashed. <laughs> or, yeah, something went really wrong that, of course, it didn't happen in any of the <laughs> rehearsals before. To the point that uh, my friends for my birthday gave me a Reiki session as a present. So I could check my energy. <laughs> and I remember explaining <laughs> to the practitioner, like you have a meeting, it's like, okay, what do you wanna, what's the intention or what are, do you wanna f know something? And I explained her, I was like, yeah, I work with technology, I do these performances. And she's like, oh, so you wanna protect yourself like from technology around? And I was like, no, the opposite. Like, I wanna protect my technology from me. <laughs> and, and it was really funny that during the session, 
she had a sound so system with very mellow music and it broke in the middle of the session. <laughs> it stopped. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. It's like so after energetic that, interference. Yeah. Oh wow. So after That's that I, so I, cool. I brought um, <laughs> so it's not an obsidian, it's a black tourmaline <laughs> that I, I always wear in my performances and yeah. And 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 usually people ask me, it's like, oh, it's to protect yourself, and I'm like, no, no, it's to protect the machines from me. <laughs> and uh, what is it you wear? It's a black tourmaline. It's it's a stone, like a crystal that is supposed to ground oh, your energy, and that people like a talisman. Use, yeah, okay. Like people use it to yeah to protect themselves or like energy or yeah to ground themselves. Oh. And 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 yeah. I don't know. I hope it works in both directions. <laughs> I don't know. Th wow, things have gone better so since since I have that thing. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> well, this leads nicely into our next oddball question, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is: um, Do you believe in ghosts <laughs> or spirits, <laughs> or have you had any supernatural experiences beyond your own? energetic interference here i mean technology. that yeah <laughs> that is definitely i mean that certainly counts i think but yeah i think so too um i mean i do i do i do believe in different states of awareness and and i think you can push those states um um, and I and I've done it um, with with the help of uh, a healer or a practitioner or or with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Like I yeah, like I've had um, like sensorial experiences yeah. that um, shift yeah my perception. And I think also sonic experiences, like in concerts where um, I don't know, you feel you're acquiring another state of awareness uh, in a way. So yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would call it ghosts, That's... <laughs> but definitely, yeah, energetic <laughs> and, more and maybe. yeah, <laughs> energies that we don't usually perceive and that, I don't know, we start perceiving under some circumstances. Like, I think there's a lot that we don't usually see because mm -hmm. we are not open to it. Um, and I think you can push that. Right. Um, yeah. Have you, have you ever had like premonitions? <laughs> that... I don't think so. I've had like a strong, I don't know, not, not premonitions, but uh, I don't know. I think strong intuition, it doesn't count for the, yeah, for the same, but, uh -huh. but I see points in my yeah. life where things happen that I definitely look at them and they completely change the course of my life. And, and I feel, and, and that I, I feel lucky that I was open enough to listen to them and follow and they changed my life story from going to engineering to what I do now. Yeah, there are moments in there in my life right. where it feels like really weird coincidence that happen or moments of, yeah. So, but not, not premonitions, right. but I tend to, also with my projects and, and usually, um, I don't know, like for example, with a, one of the last projects that I was working, which leads to another instrument called Annette, which is this 3D printer uh, that I perform with. And, and that it deals also with energies, like this, that piece, Annette, and, and a series of pieces that I've been doing, um, listening to the electromagnetic forces of the 
electromagnetic activity of the the buildings or the places where the piece is going to be performed. Um, with that project with Annette, when I knew that I wanted to work with a 3D printer and make it my, I don't know, my new instrument, like I had this thought of, you have to build it. And then I was like, oh shit, I don't want to build a 3D printer. <laughs> I don't want to go through the hassle, but I knew that I had to do it. <laughs> so That's I did. a lot, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did build that. <laughs> Oh, so you did Which is not it. like there are kids oh. in the in, yeah, okay. that you can buy, and it's just like following, okay. following a manual. But yeah, there are moments like this that it's like an intuition. Something crosses your mind really fast, and you know you have to follow. It's like shit. Now I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like so I'll build a 3D printer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. yeah. So, and th I guess. You know, thinking about how individualized, um, well, I want to say personalized, rather, your improvisations and compositions are, um, it does make me curious about, like, and, and especially the way you talk about your instruments being a score. You have written, and you do study composition, um, you mm -hmm. have written for, like, ensembles in the traditional sense, such as ice, and I think... Um, you worked uh, with the string quartet. Ah, the rhythm method. Rhythm method. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and uh, thinking specifically of your piece "Rinoceronte Azul," am I saying that correctly? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, these two performers move around with <laughs> like these elect electric force field tennis rackets things, and then yeah. there's two other performers. <laughs> who have electric guitars with maybe um, electric toothbrushes? I mean, yes. Okay. Correct. That's what I was like, I think that's what they are. Maybe they're yeah. vibrators. I couldn't quite make it out. Um, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. was thinking about vibrators, but these work better. Yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> did, you, did you make a score for that piece? How was it? How does your working method translate into a situation like that with other people? Well, uh, it's 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 hard. <laughs> yeah. In a sense that um, I, I I understand this project as a spaces for collaborations. I have I don't know like the way I work. I have a lot of conflicts with uh, the idea of myself as a. A composer that is writing a, a close score and then delivering to it like that's that's not my method and I I, I don't right. find yeah I don't know like I'm, I'm also not not really interested in that exchange and it's not the way I work uh, probably because of the way I, I, I approach like I, I came to this world so I have a lot of conflict with the figure of the composer, like when I'm, I'm presented mm -hmm. as the composer. I, I try to create more open-ended structures um, that can hold all the performers together in the same creative space. So I try to create a system that unfolds itself without me being really writing it before. Uh, I'm thinking, for example, a piece that I did in the Highline um, where the score was based right. on the traffic patterns. So I wrote a score that kind of linked every 
traffic event that we were seeing in front of the performance space with a sound event that either the, the singers or the public, the audience around had to respond to. But the fact that I couldn't control that, um, it was interesting to me. Yeah, I try to create more collaborative spaces or, or, or I understand scores for more like systems of communication where it's very important that there is room for everyone to, to feel or to, to participate with their creative input. So I remember struggling uh, a lot to create that Rhinoceronte Azul because, first of all, because it all depended on the, a lot of what um, um, Alice Desir and Viola Jeep, who were the performers carrying this like badminton racket antennas that I had made, their score depended on how the building was sounding on that day or uh, yeah because the nice. what you're going to hear through these antennas it changes depends on how many speak like what is the technology that is being plugged in the space so i had to listen to the space i think it was like two days before and and make a map for them an open instruction, okay, go down the stairs and these are the hot spots where you're going to find really interesting sounds if you explore. So go here, go there. And the rest, because I didn't have time to do workshop sessions, usually what I feel more comfortable is having a, a more collaborative uh, process with the ensembles or yeah. with the people that I'm going to write for. And, and because of the agenda that I had, there wasn't really room for that. So I ended up playing all the instruments myself and then coming up with a notation system so I could communicate to them that quickly. And, 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 and then there was some room mm -hmm. for them to, to, to move around. But I, I definitely prefer if I have yeah, if it becomes more a collaboration. And on the next year, when I, when I, I did this piece with a 3D right. printer with Annette, and then I collaborated with Daphne Naftali, Shelley Hears, and then Levi Lorenzo, and Danny Sullivan on percussion, right. it was more out of, like the score grew out of workshop sessions that we did together, especially with Shelley and Daphne, listening to the machine, and I would give them exercise at the beginning of each session and then I would look at the rehearsals and I would start to come up with a structure out of that. That it was very much the kind of like the architecture of the machine that was guiding a little bit the structure, but there was a lot of room for each one of them to improvise and do their thing inside of every session. Yeah, and every section of, right. the, of the piece. Yeah. Okay, um, cool. So, uh, oddball question three. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry for you that I have to ask you this, but I really want to know how you're going to answer it. Um, how would you describe your wavelength or vibe generally, generally in life? Like, how do you, how do you exist? Uh, wow, can I ask you back some of these questions? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, 
god. Uh, <laughs> no. I want to ask this one back to you after. No, I guess you can, but wavelength. I don't know. I think it would be a very quick one. <laughs> Gamma ray, mm. <laughs> gamma ray. Uh, I don't know. I feel yeah, my energy is very high, uh, especially around performance, and yeah, it's hard to keep calm. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah. I don't know. In general, I uh, what is my energy? I hope I I try to emanate positive energy. I have to. I try to take care of uh, my inner circle. That's very, very, very important in my life. And that includes my collaborators, performers. I'm with like, I, mm. uh, yeah, I try to be very delicate with that and, and open and aware of how people are feeling about the piece and the work. And in general, in my life, um, yeah. And also in terms of, especially with the audience, I try to make, I don't know. Um, present, I guess, present alternative ways of being or making things. And, and a lot of people describe my performances. Like I, I, uh, someone that then became a collaborator, the first time that she came to one of my performances, there was a Q&A after, and she seriously asked me if I was a witch. <laughs> and... <laughs> What did you say? <laughs> You're like, May, probably. I mean, there's there's a big tradition of. They oh, would have burnt you at the stake, <laughs> for sure. Oh yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, I would be burnt. Yeah, uh, years years ago. Uh, I mean, there's a. I think I answered her something like, the, "There is a big tradition of witches in the place where I come from, which is in the north of Spain, in the Pyrenees. Hmm. There's a long, long, long tradition of witches, and and a lot of women that were burned." Um, so probably I got some of that, but I think yeah. it's it's this thing of uh, yeah, like not knowing how things are working, and suddenly maybe that spell that you were describing before. To me, that's a right. way of presenting. Uh -huh. Things can be something else, and 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 right. not just in the performative uh, space. Like uh, I don't know. Like I think it it helps us uh, think about other possible words or ways of being that are not the hegemonic That's, ones <laughs> and that I think it's important right, yeah, right. to call them to. I don't know if yeah. that's an answer to my wavelength. <laughs> that's a that's a great answer. That makes me, I just really want to see you perform live and I feel like I won't get to any time well. soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, it certainly doesn't yeah. depend on us. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> can I ask you back that question? <laughs> um, I, I feel like static noise or static or, you know, I feel like a very chaotic person in general. So, um, something mercurial, I, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> um, but I try to have... Uh, I'm like right now I'm trying to work on cultivating a sense of like empathy in general um, with myself and with a room and with people and living creatures mm. um, just like trying to be more sensitive to energy um, I don't think it comes naturally to me because of that 
chaos. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm really good at it, but I'm trying to work on that. So um, that's maybe the energy, the vibe I want to have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just one more oddball question <laughs> for my sake. How do you feel about language? Whoa. Specifically words. Do you feel like words enhance or limit your world experience? <gasps> uh, I'm sorry. I feel <laughs> I've always, I'm, I'm very afraid. I, I've never felt really comfortable with language or with sounds that are signifiers in my work. I tend to go to abstract sounds and uh, not because I don't think words have potential, like I thought they're, I, I think they're extremely useful, but I, I just think they are not my medium. For me, I feel trapped in them the same way that, I don't know, the useful thing that you have to do in your website of writing a statement. I feel I'm, yeah, like I, I feel very um, trapped in words sometimes. I feel they don't fully define where I want to communicate and also what I'm, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Depending on the medium, they stay there, and and my ideas and preference, like everything in myself, is changing so much. And I think words define sometimes so much that I'm 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 afraid of that relationship. But I know, yeah, a lot of people navigate it in a very different way. We had a in the residency in Lost Budgets, there was a writer, Asiya Wahood, and the way so her output for the residency was in words and. It was amazing, um, like her way mm. of relating to the space and the experience in words. But I feel, yeah, that's just not my medium. Like I, right. I'm much more abstract, right. and I'm afraid. The only the only time that I used words it was with Shelly Hears because she's a uh, like that's that's her medium, and it was more like giving her, I kind of like gave her um, two articles. Because um, mm -hmm. the the piece dealt with dealt a lot with uh, relationships with technology and gender, um, so I I kind of like fed her articles and conversations that we had about her relationships with technology and the fact uh, she talked about her mom and her mom being a telephone operator that is very linked to. Oh, um, interesting. I, I, I don't know. I was researching a lot, like while all the. Um, um, assistive technology, AI, are have like female personality and female voices. And yeah. the United States has a lot to do with the fact that, uh, yeah, like women were working in uh, as a telephone. Anyway, right. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm going, going, going. No, so no, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of A lot of conversations around this and then she does use text a lot, but I felt like, yeah, I, I fed words and conversations to with to her and concept and and then she she did her thing which is amazing <laughs> and right and that's that's probably the only time that i've used uh text right okay uh, in my work Great. and it was because huh. yeah it was for her that that's her her medium and the way she uh i don't know shines <laughs> or expresses right right Great. Well, that's a very relatable answer for me, <laughs> which is maybe why yeah. I asked it. How do you feel about text? Like, you use text a little a projection lot here. In a very yeah. I, well, 
Yeah, I do. Um, but it's because I'm trying to prove my relationship with words, which is not super good mm -hmm. one. Um, it's not like a bad one. It's just I don't I don't really feel like myself through language, but um, I'm trying wow. to work on it. I I don't know. Maybe it's not something to work on, but oh, it's fun. I mean, it's a and, challenge. And it comes comes out in an amazing way. Like I I wouldn't. Yeah, I would never say that you struggle with text. Mm. <laughs> uh, when I see your pieces, I guess this is a way of, of, of using language in a very freeing way. But I, I feel I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mm. yeah, I don't know. I, I don't gravitate to that. Like, I'm always like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I think a lot of composers, improvisers, sound artists, whatever, um, have a very, like, amorphous relationship with words and it's just a theory I've been gradually huh. building so maybe I'll just slowly ask everyone <laughs> this question how do you feel about words I mean also especially here now I'm in Germany and I studied German for three years but it's all in high school so I've forgotten everything and then I live in Italy so I'm trying to and especially when I'm with my partner we communicate in English, but I'm a Spanish. I'm trying to speak in mm. in German, and suddenly Italian comes out. So I'm just like making a mess of everything. I feel like I'm learning to speak. I don't know oh, how yeah. to speak anymore in any language. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. So I think garbage. that's also <laughs> yeah. The fact that I'm never mm. fully in my language, and then I don't know now even in Spanish, I'm constantly using anglicisms and my friends in Spain or my, my family are like, you forgot how to speak your mother tongue? Like, what? Well, well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel I'm always struggling to communicate. <laughs> when I get angry, I don't know what to shout anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, none of this is my mother tongue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Start shouting in Italian. Well, that's always liberating. Like I feel, yeah, you have to shout in any language or German also. Yeah, definitely not French. That's funny. Yeah. So I have so many more questions for you, and obviously I'm not going to get to them all. Should we talk a little bit about things that you're working on or things that are coming up? We can. Just to get you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's like everything is so uncertain that I don't know if half of these things are going to happen. So, um, I mean, I'm certainly, okay. I'm in okay. Berlin and um, I came here with a research fellowship and, and I'm, I'm writing my dissertation, which has a lot to do with my artistic work and, and researching ideologies cool. embedded in technologies and how certain performers, not me, but other people are, uh, the type of work that they do with technology has a lot to do with the part, the fact that they are not like this ideal user um, that the technologies were meant, were created to. So that, um, I'm certainly doing it in the next month or I should. Especially if my mentor is, okay. is cool. listening to me. <laughs> I'm totally doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Every day. And I wanted, I wanted to explore because I feel most of the, the knowledge that I have around that is from the scene in New York and, or in North America. 
uh, a lot of the performance that I'm researching are not from the United States, but their practices developed in the United States. And I wanted to find how people were here in Europe or in Berlin, how the sound experimental, music experimental scene um, yeah, was around that and to see if I could interview someone here. So that's something that I'm doing. Um, I have one because concerts are happening here, or at least they are happening now with a reduced public. Like I have a concert with Nick Collins, Lisa will be amazing, where I will be, I mean, not performing with Annette because I couldn't bring her here with me because it's very big. Uh, so I have to look for, but I brought the instrument that I create, which is basically like a set of symbols that I wear in my fingers and then I move around the machine and those symbols amplify the electromagnetic voice of the 3D printer. So I have to look for an, an, a new Annette in Berlin and I will perform with that at the end of November. Then I'm doing a performance for an event in Colombia, in Barranquilla. I, I went to do a residency there. I don't remember when, four or five years ago, and they invited me to do a concert online. And this would be my first online concert where I'm performing with my instruments. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Um, I hope I can, I don't know, I will have a live feed camera so part of the movement expression can be expressed. Yeah. I'm not in front of my computer doing what I do, right. usually on stage. And then, I mean, I'm working in pieces for next year, like two pieces for April and one for my hometown. Like this was cool. a, um, like a performance, like half participatory, half, mm -hmm. like big performance taking, taking over the whole town. It's a small town. So that's very exciting, also very scary, <laughs> scary because it's the first thing that I hold in my hometown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so my parents are really nervous. They're like, remember whatever you do, we live here after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you leave to New York, but then we stay here. <laughs> it's a very small town, so yeah. everybody knows each other. Everybody knows who's your parents. And yeah. Oh, so, wow. So they are like, please. Uh, no, but I'm very, ex yeah, I'm very excited. I started, it was supposed to happen last summer, but of course it was outdoors performance with hundreds of people gathering and following different musicians throughout like a, mm. uh, a path that I had designed in town uh, in collaboration with, mm -hmm. a, with a friend. Um, so that, yeah, that can cancel. But I'm, I hope, yeah, that will happen next July. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow, that so, sounds really cool. The one in your hometown. Yeah, yeah. And Especially, I started doing, like, which is really nice, like a lot of archival, um, because I wanted it to be a, a tribute to a history of women that they don't appear mm. in the archives and they have been erased. And um, my, my mom is kind of like related with the archives of the city. So she helped me to look mm -hmm. for information. And, and she also did for her like a piece that she worked on figuring out the names of influ influence women or uh, women that have influenced the cultural life in in our hometown um, so yeah um, I started doing the research of that and I don't know I don't know I hope it happens I'm excited <laughs> that sounds fascinating yeah. That sounds fascinating. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, this was so interesting for me, at least, um, and hopefully our listeners as well, to hear you talk about yourself, 
your work um, and answer these, some of these weird questions. It's great getting to know you. Likewise. I really hope that we will actually meet in the flesh in the future. That was Bethany Young in conversation with Merce Blasco. Check the show notes for information about the music used in this episode. We've also provided links to both Bethany and Merce's websites. This episode was produced by Bethany Young in collaboration with Talk Ensemble and edited by Marina Kifferstein. If you like the Talk Editions podcast, tell your friends and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.